and not necessarily more viewers or whatever, but just like better for me and in, in my discovery of what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, anyone who want to learn more about UX, user experience, design. Welcome. Today we are going to discuss how you can create your design that will win customers and even Google. Because today we are going to discuss this topic with Danny Farah. How are you? Hey, Anatoly, I'm good. How are you? Ah, doing great. Looking forward to learn more, especially from someone who works in Google. So yeah, for me it's a big pleasure because I usually learn from different experts, great experts in different niches, but we are, most of them are trying to satisfy users and Google too. So then before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you sure so i've been at google for a long time almost 12 years now i'm concerned how much of my identity it is uh to to be an employee at google uh, but uh joking aside uh, i started in the advertising space uh working as a technical account manager and eventually moved into a ux design role and uh, I was still in the advertising space when I started, and uh, eventually I started to get more interested in accessibility. Um, and I decided that you know I wanted to make accessibility and uh, let's say accessible design what I want to focus on 100% of my time. Right, this is my passion. This is what I want to do, and uh, I could do that at Google. So. Um, you know, eventually I, I started kind of like focusing on accessibility within the advertising space, uh, just becoming a subject matter expert. I saw an opportunity there and then slowly kind of um, made my way into various roles that basically went towards 100% of my time being focused on accessibility. So uh, I worked with the uh, cloud inclusive design team uh, for, for a little while. And then eventually I joined, uh, what's called sort of Google's central accessibility organization. We're a part of a larger organization called products for all. And here I focus on, uh, a, a number of different things, but my primary focus is being the UX design lead for an app called uh, lookout, which is focused on, uh, blind or low vision users and enabling users to use their phone camera to discover the world around them. That's kind of nice. the, the briefest that I, that I can put it. But I also work on a number of other work streams related to accessibility within uh, other products around Google. Uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's my primary one. And that's sort of how I got here. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Great experience. Uh, can you tell more about this word accessibility? What it means? Uh, who? Uh, uh, I mean, like, uh, because uh, my audience can understand differently what it means, uh, what kind of people you want to help more. And 
how it's uh, you can unite accessibility with simplicity because uh, users customers hate to consume uh, hard content so uh, and uh, they bounce fast according to google uh, youtube <laughs> uh, different resources and yeah explain more about accessibility uh, who is the target audience and simplicity how to unite them sure yeah i love i love how you frame that question i think simplicity is a, a pretty good aspect to consider for accessibility i think that you know if you think about for example reading right mm -hmm. um not everybody reads the same not everybody uh loves to dive into you know large books and a lot of people consume information differently. And I think that's what accessibility is all about, is sort of offering people different ways to access information. And sticking with the reading topic, I mean, you know, and, and simplicity, as you framed it, like, if you think about, you know, and, and, and I guess you had mentioned, you know, uh, marketing and getting, you know, users to not bounce and things of that nature. I'm certainly not an expert in that space and that, that's, not, that's not exactly the space that I work in, but I do think that there's something to be said about when you have a simple and clear message, mm -hmm. um, it is more accessible. It's um, something that can be translated to different folks. It's something that can be understood by folks with varying levels of education. Um, and um, uh, varying, you know, uh, languages. And I think that when we talk about accessibility, it, it sounds super, super trivial and, and uh, obvious, but it is about access, right? How do you access uh, that information? And so um, what else can I say? I mean, I, the other thing I could say is, you know, accessibility, it's not just I think that there is sort of, um, it is intended to sort of um, be a way to approach, you know, say how you design your product or your service to ensure that folks who have disabilities um, can can use those products and services, can access them in the same way as 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 anybody. But I think what what people miss is that everybody at some point has some sort of disability, whether it's you know, yeah. wh whether it's temporary, whether it's, you know, uh, you could consider like a situational disability where it's like you're holding your baby um, or like a, a temporary one where like you have a broken arm or, you know, something that's more permanent. Um, those are all examples of, of disabilities. And so when we build for accessibility, when we design for accessibility, uh, it, it does ultimately serve um, uh, everybody, right, to some extent. Uh, and a lot of great um, innovations come from sort of uh, an, an accessibility space or frame of mind. So, uh, yeah, hopefully that, that helps answer the question. Yeah, 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 love it, love it, awesome, great. Danny, can you tell about uh, A-B testing? Uh, how you measure results? For example, if you create new design and tell uh, about A-B testing because I know Google is very good with that. I mean, like to provide for limited audience to analyze, to change something. So tell your methods. For example, if you uh, create new design, how you analyze uh, the 
the success of this design? <laughs> yeah, good, good question. And we're fortunate to have researchers who are more experts in sort of like the testing space. But yeah, that we work closely because the designs are, are going to, to come from me. And there's certainly not always um, a B. Do you like this one or that one? I think we're, you know, we always try to incorporate the insights of our users, right? Um, and it's not always just an, an opinion. It's also like, well, what what's some original thought that you know our users have as well, and how can we incorporate those as well? And so I think coming to users without just you know this is the, sometimes the A/B testing is is the is the ideal way, but I think coming to users with um, sort of a more open mind about what it is that would be ideal is the best way to to approach it and um yeah I, I don't have too much else to say about that i think um a b testing is one methodology one 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 way of sort of understanding which way is is best but um i think ultimately it, it's more about asking users or whoever you're trying to reach more openly you know what what do you want and sort and sort of going from there what what do you expect mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah interesting uh let's talk about uh, 25 percent of users according to some data uh 25 percent of users have uh, poor eye eyesight so uh, blood vision uh can you tell how to help them i mean like if people uh can't consume content that most people can and most websites i don't know the data but probably 99 percent of all websites ignore these users with uh, poor eyesight so your tips how to uh, help these people yeah thanks for that question I, I think there's a lot of ways and a lot of i work in the digital accessibility space uh but there's a lot of just um assistive technology and and just like best tips that you can understand to making sure that everybody can visually read the content but um uh there's a, a lot more you know detail we can go into that but I, I would say just like to keep it really high level and simple you know uh i I'm, I'll, I'll use myself as an example right like i'm colorblind right um and so contrast really matters to me so I would say, you know, when you're looking at a website, make sure, or like your content, make sure that it meets a certain level of contrast. Um, mm -hmm. uh, there's, you know, there's there's guidelines online that, that you can search and, and there's probably slightly different, you know, uh, approaches to to contrast, but generally it's pretty obvious when contrast is 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 bad and and there's ways that you can test it to say, hey, you know, my font is this pure white and the background is this color is this enough contrast for um set for 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 folks to see not only that but what font size are you using are you kind of reducing the font size to make sure that you're getting enough information onto the screen at once well make sure you don't reduce it too to to be too small again it sounds obvious but you know if you're looking if you're looking at your font size and it's like you know, you're, you're notching it down to like 12 and 10, I would say go, you know, start at 16 or something like that and, and, and go from there. That's just sort of my, my opinion. And that way, 
um, you're starting at a good baseline of, of sort of like an, a, a readable uh, a font and, and consider all the various aspects of it, right? Like I think people like to, um, not, not to, I would say people like to kind of be designers and be creative and, and have creative expression. And so, you know, sometimes that leads to accessibility issues, right? So for example, you have uh, a type face that's not ideal or it's just kind of like weird to look at or, you know, um, you have a background that's distracting or you've set up your site in a way that, you know, there's something that kind of automatically plays and there's all these animations and things happening and, and they're sort of distracting, which um, can can be challenging for, for some folks, right? Like, uh, so I think, um, all of that considered, uh, those are sort of the low-hanging fruits. I would also say if uh, you want to think a little bit more advanced, you know, uh, vision is a spectrum and there are folks with, you know, who, who need eyeglasses, but there's also folks who are, are completely blind and, and sort of everything in between, right? Being, uh, having, having low vision and, and there's all sorts of different scenarios to, to consider. And so, there's various um, assistive technologies you can use, magnification and so on and so forth. So um, I think that just considering that, right? Like if, I, if, if I'm, you know, say um, uh, completely blind, how, how do I access this information? Okay, well maybe you should familiarize yourself with what is a screen reader, right? This is a very common assistive technology that's used um, across, uh, it's available across a number of different browsers and operating systems. And so familiarizing yourself with how somebody who uh, cannot see accesses the content on their uh, computer or their phone, um, more, uh, often it is a screen reader. And so what is, you know, how does that, how do you set up your site so that um, somebody who, who uses this device can actually uh, read things and navigate them in, in a way that, that makes sense. So um, it's not just about what can you visually see and how can you tweak it visually. It's also about the structure of your website, right? So do you have, let's say if your website's very simple and it just sort of has like some content on the screen, do you have like a heading structure, an H1 title, um, coming from the SEO space, I would imagine like you, you all might, might think about things like this. Um, you know, uh, uh, how, if you are somebody who only uses a keyboard, right? How do you navigate the screen, right? If you start hitting your tab key, like does it sort of go in sort of a, a way that, that makes sense or does it kind of jump all over the screen? Can somebody who only uses a keyboard access every button? Um, how does a screen reader read out the name of, of a button or a control on the screen? Um, have you ensured that all of your buttons sort of like make sense? Like if you can, you know, if you have sort of uh, an icon as well as some text to communicate a button instead of something that's more esoteric and is only, uh, you know, understood by, it, it's a, it, it maybe got a little bit too cute in, in terms of like which icon you're choosing. Like, I think these are all considerations uh, when it comes to providing access to, to your content. Yeah. Valuable. Love it. Love it. So awesome. Uh, then I want to ask about, uh, you know, it, this question consists of two questions. The first question, uh, 
why you decided to work on Google? And the second question, uh, why Google decided to hire you? Uh, the, the main reason why I'm asking about that because I have audience who uh, have the dream to work in big companies like Google. Uh, so can you share tips what they need to do and why e your story why you decided to come to google and google why you decided to hire you <laughs> sure I, I i'm not sure i i can fully know the answer to that right there's so much that goes on in the background and not to mention like i said it's it was 12 years ago so i wonder how how much the hiring practices have have changed um what can i say about about it because certainly I, I started to get these types of questions when I, a, a lot more, I mean, over the course of my time here, but what can I say? I think, you know, Google hires really smart people. Yeah. Um, and I think that if you can demonstrate, um, and this is obviously like totally unofficial, advice, but I do think that a, a good way to sort of stand out in your, um, as, as a professional is to demonstrate passion, mm -hmm. right? Like, uh, I think that when folks are sort of like, I want to work at X company and I don't really care what I do. I think that's sort of a, a little bit of, of, of a turnoff just personally. Um, I think that sort of demonstrates like, okay, well, you may, maybe you want to sort of get your foot in the door, but I think to demonstrate that there's one thing, there's something you want, really want to do something you really like. Um, I think that that's what, um, has, has kept me, you know, at, at, at Google for so long is just like, I was able to continue to sort of pursue various passions. First, I was, you know, I came in, I was sort of more on the sales side. And then I was able to, it took me a long time, but I was able to demonstrate that I could be a UX designer at, at, at Google's level. And that took a lot of, it took a lot of sort of, uh, honestly, just sort of like rejection in, in various ways. And, uh, and when you're passionate about something, you take that rejection and you sort of just continue to, to push forward. And um, you just continue to knock on the door. And then sort of just for me personally, it's always been about continuing to identify your niche within a space. So first I was like, okay, I like tech. And then I was like, okay, I like design. And then within design, I really like accessibility. And I and now I'm trying to think about, okay, within accessibility, what is it that I really value? What, or what is it that I really, really want to focus on? Right now it's assistive technology. It's product design within the accessibility space. And so I think that I, I continue to kind of get more niche and I think that's okay, right? Because it, it demonstrates that you can be an expert and it gives you uh, almost like, it, it's, it's like a personal creative expression in a way, right? To say, um, I love this thing, I'm going to pursue it. And the more specific that you can get, the the more I think you can um, become an expert because the space gets more and more focused. And I think people notice that, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're talking about a recruiter or a hiring manager or just like somebody on LinkedIn or whatever. I think 
people notice when they're like, oh, this person is an extremely um, talented uh, illustrator of, you know, um, uh, glassware, I, you know, like, I don't know, something, something like that. And I think if you look at social media, you see that you see people, you just, you just go, oh, this whole account, which is extremely popular, just does one tiny joke, right? It's just like one joke. Um, and I saw this, the, this one where this guy kind of just like has his like selfie mode camera and he kind of just walks up to various people and puts his arm around them and captures their reaction to that. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but it's like, that's the whole account. Right. And it, yeah. and it, and some, there's something about that specificity that it, it doesn't get old. And, and, uh, I think that they've captured something there. So, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that's a good answer. Yeah. Uh I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, without passion, it doesn't matter. You want to work on Google at any other place to have your own business. You need to have passion. And I remember I started one project because of chasing money. You know, I, I felt that I can feel the gap in the market and uh, we hired a big team, a lot of people. Uh, and uh, after three years, I quit. I left this project because uh, I hated Monday. I loved Friday and I got it. I can't go ahead like this. And without passion, I don't recommend to anyone. Just leave it. 70% of people hate their jobs. It's a lot. 70% of people. Wow. Yeah, and uh, we have one life and it's better to enjoy the process. Yeah, as Mark Twain said, if you find your life and job, you don't need to work even one day in your life. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you, Danny. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, nice, nice. Danny, I want to ask about creativity. It's very important in design to stand out from the rest. I mean, like to create something special. And we need to be simple because users live uh, hard uh, uh, looking content. So can you tell about uh, how to stand out from the rest? I mean, like how to create something new, special when we have 2 billion websites online, 2 billion websites, but we need to stand out from the rest and create something new. Any tips about that, about creativity? Oh, you're saying 2 billion websites. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> how do you stand out? So much content online, you know, at any niche, at any field, but we need to find the way how to. You know, I yeah, I mean, I, it's funny. I have um, I started to like post these YouTube shorts mm -hmm. of just I like to cook, mm -hmm. and um, and I think that I the more that it kind of goes back to the, to the passion thing. Like, I think the more that I do what I want to do, the more that I feel like I'm uh, doing something that's like original or, or creative. Mm -hmm. um, and the, the thing that I try to do is the second that I'm not having fun, I, I don't do that thing. So for example, when you, when doing like a cooking video, you know, I, if I'm like spending too much time on the setup or like just, or, or editing or the way that I've, and I'm not 
it, I'm not really having fun anymore. It's kind of starting to annoy me to like use the tool or, you know, I feel like there's some sort of barrier. I'm like, oh, I need to get some sort of video editing software. Like, what do I, you know, like I, if I can shed those sorts of hesitations, then I think that the product ends up being a lot better and not necessarily more viewers or whatever, but just like better for me and in, in my discovery of what it is that I'm trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And I think that it does end up being more creative because that's what it's all about. Like being creative and, and, and it is, is about sort of being original. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we eliminate our hesitations, eliminate our, um, concerns about what other people are going to think. And I think, you know, there's a lot of folks who are just tweaking and optimizing, oh, like this word, you know, and I I think that that there's, there is a science and, and an art to that, but I also feel like there's not enough of, um, uh, sort of people just saying what's on their minds or what they personally feel they want folks to know. And uh, they're, they're letting sort of like the, the engines and the algorithms like drive, drive so much like, Oh, what does the report say? Okay. We need to use this word or whatever. Um, So, yeah, I I think, yeah, I I think that that's some thoughts on creativity and, and pursuing creativity um yeah yeah got it got it Dania, i want to ask about intuition you know it's interesting you have 12 years of experience and uh, what i found experts who have extended experience uh, usually often not usually uh, they can use intuition more than getting data analyzed from data and uh, i remember one story from about jeff bezos once he got a research team and this team asked him to give more time to analyze about new product. He denied. He told, guys, nobody knows. We need to test, to analyze. And this product was Alexa. Today, almost all homes in the US have this product. So Be- Jeff Bezos has intuition, you know, uh, and he got enough data. Can you tell about your intuition? You, you know a lot about accessibility about ux and uh how you use your intuition probably it's like your uh, experience uh, to craft new ideas to change something so any tips about that <laughs> yeah great question and it comes with time and with confidence and with experience and all of those things you feel more comfortable pursuing your intuition and finding ways to uh, build consensus around your intuition. I think that's kind of how uh, the story that you mentioned went. I think you sh- you shouldn't silence your intuition, right? I think it doesn't mean that you sh- you're setting up a your website or your product or your service and you just kind of go, you know, I think this is right, and I'm just and I'm going imp- to. It's it's balanced, right? So I think on one hand you can kind of go you know, this is a creative outlet for me and I just need to let it flow and I'm going to like implement it and so on. So I think that's great intuition. But I guess if you're trying to achieve a certain 
business goal, I think that intuition is also important, but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be testing or monitoring certain variables, right? And, 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 and reading them and considering them, right? It's not, it's not about, I'm going to look at these variables and this data and just say, I'm doing what this tells me, no matter what. It's combining your intuition with the data to see if you know you're you're right or wrong because I do think I think that uh, a lot of times folks do get caught up in you know making sure that the numbers are completely there and I think that the, you know the business always pre pressures us to make sure that you know numbers consensus and everything is just driving everybody wants a guarantee that something's going to work right mm -hmm. and that that doesn't really exist yeah so i think it's it's a very delicate balance and it's very hard to get that right and i think it's one of those things that's just never perfect but if you can as you're sort of climbing your career continue to identify you know what parts of your intuition speak very strongly to you and make sure that you don't just dismiss it right like if it just requires you getting into getting a piece of paper and drawing some things or writing some things down and then showing it to somebody, maybe it's one person, maybe it's to a room of people. Um, I think that that will serve you in more so than just sort of hesitating or waiting for something to some, someone else to kind of tell you, you know, what, what to do. So I would say, you know, in short, play in your sandbox, right? Your intuition is is your sandbox. So just make sure that you're not silencing any of those, um, those thoughts because ultimately intuition, it does come from data. Like it comes from your experience. It comes from uh, your perspective that you've gained over time in life. And so that's not, that's not nothing. Right. That's that is data that is as good, if, if not better than research. And it's important to pursue that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Valuable. Valuable. Love it. Uh, Daniel, I want to ask about mistakes in my life. I made a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them. Uh, sometimes I don't know how to find another way, especially, for example, if I start something new. I need to do mistakes before getting any results. For example, when I started PR, uh, I wrote a bunch, a bunch of press releases. Uh, I pitched all of them and got zero mentions, zero results, everything zero. But I learned how it works. Then I hired a team of specialists who can write great press releases. I hired specialists who can pitch them. And when I had the process we got mentions on cnn business insider many great resources because of learning uh, from my mistakes can you list mistakes uh, that you can see ux designers still do but can avoid because we have two mistakes the first mistake you need to learn through experience the second you can learn before doing them so if you have any mistakes that ux designers can avoid before doing uh, let us know. <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. And I'm sure I still make lots of mistakes. I mean, going back to the accessibility discussion, I think that, 
you know, accessibility, it's still, it's accessible design. It's, uh, it's, it's been around for a while and I think it is, you know, becoming more of a conversation point, but I do think that, um, I think that conducting your design and waiting till the last minute to consider accessibility is a common mistake, right? So I think one way you could avoid that is to consider a, a, like who are you recruiting for your research? Who are you, your demographics that you're looking at? And whenever you're exploring a new idea, you're brainstorming, make sure that you consider folks who are not yourself and don't have the same abilities as yourself and don't live in the same country as you and don't have the same, you know, um, don't have the same phone as you, don't have, you know, uh, the same operating system. All of those things, I think, can contribute to um, less less mistakes, less of sort of like, okay, we, you know, are at the launch point and, oh, somebody asked us about accessibility or internationalization or some other, you know, aspect of creating good design. And, um, I mean, other examples could, could maybe include just like, you know, uh, I mean, honestly, our conversation up until this point is, is, um, helpful in answering the question, right? Like making sure that you pursue your intuition, right? I think a, a lot of folks don't do that enough and instead are trying to maybe deliver something that they know that their stakeholders want mm -hmm. instead of what it is that they think is right. They're just trying to, to, to do a good job, make sure everybody, you know, likes them and that they haven't upset or, um, delivered something that is uh, not what's expected and maybe it's going to push the timeline out too much and so on and so forth. And I think UX designers can um, feel comfortable, just feel comfortable with the discomfort, right? Mm -hmm. Like of, of sort of just saying, you know, I know this is what I said originally, or maybe what we agreed to, or this is what the original sort of brief of what this project is about said, but I really think this is what we should do, right? And, and I think that that's advice that I can give through my time as a designer and my time at Google is just to say, it's okay to rock the boat and then it's okay to get, get rejected, right? Like yeah. it, it, that, that, that happens too. So I think those are a couple of ways. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think uh, only rejection can tell what you need to fix, you know? And John Rowling was rejected plus 20 times before Harry Potter uh, appealed in this world. And today, I don't know how many people love this book. Uh, for probably one of the best books ever. My wife loves so much this book and read many times. So yeah, and yeah, I think uh, rejection, it's okay. And I was rejected many times, but just need to think if you, if someone re rejected you, that means you need, you have something to fix, to improve, <laughs> to go yes. ahead. Yeah. Yes. Danny, I want to ask about your experience. What I found, I usually uh, get high results with uh, clients, customers who understand what I do. Uh, for example, if I want to achieve high ranking positions on Google, uh, then 
for me, it's better to cooperate with clients who understand why we need to create high quality content, why it's important to think more about customers than getting more traffic, uh, many different things. Uh, I want to ask you, if you started today from scratch, forget about your 12 years of experience, it's your first day in UX design, and you need to learn the basic. What will you do today if you need to learn from scratch? I think the first thing I would do is educate myself. And it's okay if you are not somebody who wants to go out and buy a book about UX design or, you know, take a class, you know, classes are expensive, school is expensive. Um, I think that understanding your level of comfort with how much education you want is, is, is okay. So for example, if you want to read, you know, a series of books about UX design and that's, that, that, that will definitely serve you. But if you're more comfortable doing a couple of searches about UX design and, and then just sort of diving in and trying to do it yourself, like on day one, I think that's okay too. So I think just making sure that you are Going back to our discussion on intuition, if you're sort of listening to your intuition to say, you know, this is something that I, I want to do um, and let me just do it in the way that's most comfortable for me. I think that that's going to, to see the, the most success as opposed to saying, you know, well, UX requires this degree or, you know, I, I need to have this level of experience to get any sort of job in UX and you're sort of um dwelling on that that mountain that you have to climb but but the reality is you'll have sort of small wins along the way and so i think you know educating yourself is 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 definitely the, the first thing that you can do and then just sort of diving right in there's tools out there there's there's figma there's you know even I've designed in Google Slides before, like anything that makes shapes, you know, maybe it's just pen and paper if you're comfortable with that. I think those can help you sort of begin to understand more about UX design. I remember one of my first tasks as, a, as I was being mentored to become a UX designer was to take some fancy visual design graphic that you find online, right? And just try to recreate it in a, a design tool. And that will familiarize yourself with, well, how'd they get the shadow on this? Where do I find that in, in my toolkit here? How do they change color? How do they match the color of this screenshot? How do they match font? How do they um, uh, how do they create arcs? How do they you know just sort of using the UX or the UI design that's out there and trying to recreate it in a, a design tool could be a really good exercise for getting to know that the design tool. So between educating yourself and getting to know the tools in that way, I think that's a good start. Yeah, nice. Love it. Awesome, awesome. And uh, can you tell your balance between educating yourself and doing something? Because 
Uh, I see when uh, some students can learn and do nothing. Now, but according to some data, people forget fast. 50% of new skills people forget in the first hour. <laughs> uh, the next 50% uh, for a few days. But uh, th th that is why Bill Gates, uh, many great entrepreneurs, they usually make notes and think how they can adapt and do something. So can you tell your balance, I mean, <laughs> this line between uh, educating yourself and doing? I think, I think they can be the same. Like I think doing something is educational. So mm -hmm. going back to what I said, I, I don't think that you, if the word education, you know, is, makes you hesitate, then then don't, then you go, go start doing, right? I think that pe people learn, this is kind of goes back to a principle of accessibility is people learn through various ways. And so I, I personally, yeah, I, I think it's important to, to balance it for me. I think I always like to read up on what I can to understand a space. If there's studies that have been done uh, for, you know, an upcoming, you know, feature that I'm going to work on, or if there's just sort of an area that I know that like accessibility, right? Like accessibility, there's all this great content online that you can just search and you can find like really good sort of, um, in information and guidelines, stuff that's tried and true. And you can, you, you know, read a book and, and so on, but, um, I think that that's not necessarily better than than trying things first too, right? If if you if you have that if you have that freedom, um, I think inevitably you have to go back and learn things about what is the next challenge that I'm encountering while I'm doing something, while I'm approaching UX design, while I'm approaching accessibility within my website. You inevitably encounter a point where you kind of go, oh, you know, I'm not really sure. What is a good font to use? What is it? What are headings? Like, how do I implement these things? So even as you start doing, it's maybe it's more of like a cyclical thing, right? It's not necessarily like, am I doing this or that? It's it's kind of just this never-ending cycle of educating and then doing what it is that you learn through your education. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Love it. And Danny, I have my final question about the future. I want to ask you, take your crystal ball and let us know what kind of future will be in accessibility, UX design, because many things are coming fast. We have AI today. Uh, Apple is going to launch augmented reality. I don't know how it looks, uh, but uh, uh, people still have, have habits to use uh, old content, uh, uh, businesses need to adapt to new environment. So let us know what kind of future will be in your vision and how we can adapt today to this possible future. Future with regards to accessibility and, and design. That's a great question. I think, you know, I think that I look to a lot of the products that have been created and popularized today. And 
how easy it is to access that information. And I think that they do have a strong accessibility component. So if I use, for example, like I think you had said Alexa earlier or these types of like home devices, I think just having that level of access for technology is something that's going to continue, right? That's going to, to continue to grow where we're not, you know, limited to um, the devices that, that we're aware of today or the solutions that, that we have today. And yeah, there is like this whole push now around, around generative AI. I'm certainly not, not a, you know, big, big expert in that space, but um, I think with regards to, you know, accessibility and, and sort of design in the future, um, it's all about, you know, the, the sort of little things that we encounter on, on a day-to-day -day basis with regards to our limbs and our senses and various struggles that we have with, with regards to technology and just making those things a lot easier. That's kind of how I think about things. I, I'm not to, uh, I think there's always something new in tech, right? There's always, there's always the hot thing of, of the moment. And if I can just focus on accessibility and, and assistive technology and improving the design of those things and not losing sight, by the way, of the fact that there's this whole world outside of the digital space. And I think we'll, I, maybe, maybe we'll get back to that. Maybe, you know, people will go, hey, you know, we haven't thought about chairs in a while. Like maybe we need to reinvent those a little bit. Maybe we need to, you know, um, uh, I think like that that industrial design space, you know, I, I don't want that to get lost in our future and the future of, of accessible design. So, um, you know, I think all, all of those things matter in terms of the future. It's not, it's not exclusively uh, about AI and, um, and, and, one other thing I'll say is just that I'm personally continuing to learn about all the things that we have created to this point. And, and I think that the future is a lot of just picking up what's already been there, right? Um, for me personally, I started using uh, like dictation to create, you know, emails and things of that nature. Like this is not new technology but I just personally haven't been exposed to it as much. And when I started to just go, oh, I don't, I, my wrist started to hurt, right? And I was like, well, of course, I've been at, you know, at Google for 12 years typing away every, every word that I wanna communicate. But you know, if, if I can just pick up this old, uh, or this, this, this technology that's been around to just say what I'm speaking, it's actually like, it, a lot of them work pretty well. And, I can generate really quickly emails, texts, chats, anything, especially if my wrist is hurting that day. And so uh, that's my hope is that we sort of look around at, at what's already been created and and um, make sure that its value is realized. Awesome. Yeah, I think future will be great because we have people like Danny <laughs> who can change the future and keep learning because we are students on this life and uh, never stop learning whatever happens just think how you can go ahead adapt develop innovate what you have then it's a big pleasure to get in my show to learn from you i love this experience it's awesome episode tell our audience the best way how to keep learning from you how to reach out to you how to follow you 
Yeah, sure. Yeah, they can follow me on on uh, LinkedIn or they can reach out to me on on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in my cooking videos, you can follow me on YouTube as well. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll submit. Uh, I'll add all cooking videos in the description below. So someone who loves cooking, probably my wife will. You know, I know her. <laughs> she, she loves to do it. Okay, guys, you can find a LinkedIn account, a YouTube video in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. Love it. So valuable. I recommend to anyone to follow Daniel on LinkedIn and subscribe to his videos on YouTube. Okay, guys, love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.